Hey, my name is Dr. Brendan McCarthy. I am the Chief Medical Officer of ProTam Medical Center in Chandler, Arizona. Thank you so much for tuning into my podcast. Welcome. Uh, today's subject is uh, something I go back and forth with with this uh, from time to time. This one's going to be about stress again. You know, stress. Why though? Why am I talking about stress? I was with a patient uh, last week, and you know, someone will present to clinic and they'll feel off and they don't feel right. They're run down. They're tired. They need an afternoon nap. They're gaining weight the way they're not supposed to. You know, they're not getting very good sleep. All these different things. And I'll run their lab work and it comes back. Their cortisol is really, really out of place. And and it's obvious through that and a few other metrics we have, they're definitely in a serious state of stress. And I'll sit down with her and I'll say, you know, everything here looks like there's some significant stress. And she'll look me square in the eye and goes, I'm not under stress. What are you talking about? Everything's fine. I'm good. And in the beginning, when I first started practicing medicine, I took that for face value. I was like, I don't know what's happening. And let me back up a little bit more about that. Stress doesn't always mean emotional stress. Stress does not have to be just emotional duress. It could be you're an athlete and you're overtraining. You know, if you're working out, you're one of those people who works out, but now you're working out seven days a week and you're overdoing it, that's stressful. If you're eating a diet that's not well-balanced, that's stressful. There's a lot of ways your body can be under duress. Low-grade infections, you know, your teeth, that sort of thing, like you're not getting regular cleanings. That could create biological stress. Stress does not always mean emotional issues. So when I sat down with this woman, again, in the past I would always try to figure out what else it would be. Something can't be stressed. What else is it? But what I've learned over time is that people don't always believe they're in stress when they are. They've learned to adapt to it. And there was a great article I read once about this where they took these athletes and they want to understand how are these kids able to perform at this elite level with gymnastics or swimming? You know, these are guys, kids are like, going into the national championships and then, you know, the Olympics, how did these kids achieve what they achieved? And what the study found was pretty amazing. It found that these athletes lied to themselves. They said things like, I'm not hungry. I'm not tired. I can keep going. This doesn't hurt. I can go faster. And it was from that self-deception that these athletes, these children, child athletes, because they are, these young kids, you know, they're not even like, they're younger than 20. And these young athletes are able to achieve such great things is because they have this level of self-deception. And they use that self-deception to push themselves further than they thought possible. With when I'm seeing patients present to clinic with this kind of stress, they're not going to say things like, I can go faster. Well, maybe they would say that, I'm going faster. This doesn't hurt. Maybe they'd say that too. What they mostly say, though, are things like, I don't work that much. Or they'll say things like, my work is no more stressful than anyone else's. Or my favorite is they'll say things like, other people have way worse than I do. But none of them are really sitting down trying to acknowledge or at least be aware of what their stress is like and what's happening behind the scenes in their body. There's always comparisons to other people and just their own personal observations. In those circumstances, in those situations with those patients, I always ask them, like, what is your day like? What do you, how do you wake up? How does your day start? How does your day end? And when the lab work looks really off, 
and the person describes that life, guaranteed the life they describe is insane. We're talking like getting up at four o'clock in the morning, doing a workout exercise thing at home, then getting the kids off to school, making sure their shoes match, making sure their lunches are set, you know, and then it's a matter of going off to a job where, you know, they have to perform at a certain level just to keep their job or to get a raise or even try and get a promotion. And then they're off to coming home. They get their kids off the bus. They make sure the kids are ready to go to their after-school activities. Then to get them after-school activities, they bring them home. They make sure to start making dinner with the kids while the kids are doing homework. They get the dinner on the table. They clean the table. They do the dishes. They make sure the kids have everything ready to go to bed. They open up their computer. They go back to work on their computer. Maybe have a glass of wine. And then they go to bed and start the next day, same thing over. They've gotten used to it. And I know some of you out there listening to what I just described, you're like, yeah, that's life, Brendan. It's the life some of us are living. And I would argue that it's not, I would argue strongly, it's not the healthiest life. I know sometimes we have to go through these things. Kids have to be raised. Things have to happen. But that doesn't mean that the stress isn't real. This is important. Not every stress is something we choose to take on. Okay? Not every stress is something we choose to take on. Sometimes being a single mom, yeah, you, you, this is where you are. I get you. I'm your doctor. My job now is to make sure I am the like a mechanic in the, the pit of a race team. And my job is to make sure you get around that lap, the lap around that track in, in, in a safe way. And you get through this time in your life. Those stresses sometimes just, we can't stop them. You got to get through them. And that's my job to help you get through it in a healthy way. Sometimes we take on stresses unnecessarily. We just do it because there's a, a psychological demand on our part of self-worth or who knows what. Sometimes the marriage that we're in, our spouse does not contribute to the marriage equally or plays a, in a role that's equal to what you do. There's a lot of different reasons. The important thing, though, is not always the reason, whether you acknowledge it or not. The important thing is for us to acknowledge that it's actually happening, it's there. And to acknowledge that we're human beings and we have limitations as human beings. Think about it as having that self-deception like that athlete and my patients would say, I'm not under stress. I'm doing the same thing everyone else is doing. That self-deception is not a bad thing as when it comes to evolution and being a human being, that self-deception has allowed us to do amazing things. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I have a saying my wife came up with Celeste, if you're watching this, I am giving you credit in this moment. <laughs> Sometimes she, my wife thinks that I don't give her credit for the things she makes up. And she makes up things. She's it's a joke between us. Anyway, I wrote down one of my one of my. I think it's a, a maximum that I live my life by. Excuse me, it's an it's an axiom that I live my life by. Is that my safe space is between underestimating how hard something is, and overestimating my ability to do it. That sense of self deception, of underestimating how hard something is and overestimating my ability to get through it. That self deception allows me to do, I think, amazing things. I think that's the place where magic happens in life. When we overestimate our ability and we underestimate the difficulty of something, it challenges us and it puts us in a place to grow and evolve and become something more than we thought we could be. So self-deception is not a terrible thing. But if we live our lives there too much, we're always throwing ourselves into that 
whirlwind of can I make it and this is a lot harder than I thought it would be, that creates a strain. As human beings, we need to be able to retreat and take better self-care. And that's something that we all, not we all, many of us don't do well. The thing about it, when we take that self-deception too far and push ourselves out on a limb too far, we start to develop burnout. And that's when we push ourselves through so much stress and don't give ourselves recovery. We see more issues with adrenals at that point. The, the cortisol levels start to drop on lab work. But other things are happening in the background. You know, the symptoms of burnout that we see physically, patients reporting their difficulty with sleeping, uh, fatigue with exhaustion, they have GI issues, headaches, um, increased vulnerability to, to cool colds and, and flu. If you think about that, difficulty sleeping, that's a circadian rhythm. That's your cortisol and your adrenaline firing off. And you, how do you turn yourself down when you've been so ramped up because you're in such a stressful state all the time? Difficult to sleep. Um, fatigue and exhaustion. If you keep running your engine as hard as possible all the time, sooner or later you're going to become depleted of your epinephrine, norepinephrine, your adrenaline levels are lower. And then the increased vulnerability to illnesses such as colds and flu, that's well documented. When cortisol levels go too low, it's a common thing. Our immune system starts to become uh, weakened. It's easier to get a viral infection in those cases. Emotional things we see in those cases, we'll see things like anxiety. We see depression. We see a sense of guilt. We see irritability. You see a sense of helplessness. These are all things you'll see in burnout. We all have, when we live our lives that hard, we all have those emotions running through us. And you can recognize them. Behaviors, you'll see things like aggressiveness or callousness. We'll see cynicism. We'll see defensiveness, um, pessimism, substance abuse. I mean, look at the hustle culture and Adderall. <laughs> Those two are linked pretty tightly, aren't they? How many times did you go to work and felt cynical? How many times did you go to work and felt you know aggressive or callous or any of these other weird emotions that this is not what you wanted to go through life with self-deception as i said can be a gift because it allows us to kind of step out into the abyss <laughs> overestimating our abilities underestimating the consequences and underestimating how difficult it's going to be what we're going to do it needs to be coupled with a sense of self-preservation that's what we do in my clinic that's my job in these cases when you sit down with your patient, you have buy-in with them. You explain to them, this is what's going to your lab work. Your lab work is showing me this. We need to put into that person the idea of self-preservation as much as the self-deception. So the self-preservation would be things like making sure you only work so many hours in a day. Making sure that even when your schedule is that crazy, like that single mom schedule I just gave you, and that could have been a married wife too who doesn't have a supportive husband. But inside that schedule somewhere needs to be some moment of self-care and self-love and self-reflection. I know it's not always easy, but that has got to be done because if you don't do it now, your body's going to make you do it later. You know, that's what happens with this. You let yourself push yourself too hard for too long, you're going to break down. So self-preservation is one of those things we use in clinic. We, we go over lifestyle changes. Sometimes uh, we'll sit down, we'll make a plan with a patient that will rerun the labs within a month to two months to verify we had benefit. Rarely do I need to really prescribe supplements on something like this. Sometimes I have to prescribe something like hydrocortisone if someone has a severe cortisol deficiency, which does happen. Lab work shows that. Sometimes I have to 
adjust their thyroid levels or prescribe thyroid because severe stress blocks their thyroid, something called reverse T3 occurs. So there are times we need to prescribe for it, but a lot of this is just lifestyle interventions and self-care and self-preservation, just skills that we help the patient develop on their own. I hope this helps. Please like, share, and subscribe. These videos are important to Justin and I because when we make these videos, our goal is always to make videos that are of benefit to you and have impact in your life in a way that means something. So please take the time and make a comment below uh, and we'll do our best to get back to you. Or, you know, if it's just a comment asking us to go into something, we'll, we'll take that into consideration for our next videos. Thank you again. Take care.